Please always consult with your physicians prior to making any changes to your treatment plan. Music from this episode is courtesy of Ryan Hamner. Welcome to Living with Scanxiety, the cancer podcast, a podcast geared to help you navigate the pediatric cancer world. As a mother of a child who battled a soft tissue sarcoma for over a year, your host, Rosaria Kozar, understands and will help guide you through your journey. She brings the knowledge of experts, families, survivors, and other organizations tied to the pediatric cancer world to your doorstep. Her mission is to inform, support, and promote hope for you and your family. This is where hope lives. This is where hope thrives. Together as one we As we know, like when kids go into this treatment, um, often so much of their autonomy is taken away and a lot of things are done to them because they have to. Uh, but massage is a space where we kind of really focus on the opposite of that. I'm not going to do anything to you. Everything is in your control and it really helps kids get a sense of control back over their bodies. Hi, Rosario Kozar here, and today we're going to be talking about massage therapy and why it's so therapeutic for any child going through uh, cancer therapies. And we're going to be talking with Carrie Padgett, and she is a guru when it comes to this, and she's been in the cancer world on all levels. She had a son that was eight months and he was diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor. Beautiful baby boy, Kai. And like my son, he did not survive, but she picked herself up and threw herself back in the community and wanted to help. So now she is a certified pediatric massage therapist that specializes and uh, children with cancer. So we're going to be talking with her today. And welcome, Carrie, to the show. Thank you. So Carrie, I usually start out with people's stories, but I find your job just so fascinating and everything that you do and contribute to the oncology world. So before we start, I want people to know what is the difference between palliative care and hospice? Um, well, for us, the way we like to talk about it is, you know, palliative care can really be introduced from the point of diagnosis. And if you have a life-threatening or serious illness, um, that's going to affect significantly affect the quality of your child and your family's life. You know, it's my goal to have palliative care um, right from the beginning. Um, it happens more often outside of oncology with um, genetic diseases and other things that are diagnosed earlier in life. Often palliative care will get pulled in at that time now. Um, but it is my hope that eventually that will also be true of oncology because it's really not just about the end of life part. Um, I see families for years and years in what I do in palliative care. And ideally, that's the way it is building that relationship and some families get some of the children get better and graduate and and, that, and that's amazing and others we follow through till end of life and where hospice gets involved. So is it fair to say that you would tell any family that has a diagnosis of childhood cancer do not shy away from palliative care because it does not mean your child is going to die? Yeah absolutely I think it's just 
um, adds another um, part of your team that is really focused on what you want out of your days and what your child wants out of their days. Um, there's usually child life who can help with siblings. There's often integrative therapies, um, social work, uh, and some nursing and uh, pain management from the medical side. Okay, and you play a huge role in this palliative care and where you work. So can you tell me about that? Sure. Yeah, so after um, after Kai died, I knew for me that, you know, I had been in this world. I couldn't unsee it. I knew the things that were helpful to me and our family, and I wanted to find a way to help support other families as you know, many of us bereaved moms do feel that way or parents um, in different ways, right? And so I didn't exactly know what that looked like. I also knew that I was going into getting a divorce. And so kind of everything was uprooted and I had to start from zero. So I was looking at school and um, I, you know, we had had such a positive experience with the integrative therapies with Kai that I really felt like that was something that I could do. And with massage, I knew that I could, within a pretty short amount of time, a year of training um, and some extra training for pediatrics and for oncology, I could um, get back working in a clinical setting with families, which is what I really wanted to do but I didn't necessarily want to be a nurse and I didn't necessarily want to be a social worker. So this massage felt like a really good fit. Um, so at the time, that's what I decided to do, which was a little bit crazy. Like <laughs> Kai died in November and I started school in February. So it was definitely a really intense year of massage school where there were days where, you know, were there put, <laughs> touching each other and having all of you know, learning all of these things and being really um, exposed in a lot of ways, you know, and I, there were some days where I was just like, I can't even like say hi to someone in that first year of, of bereavement. So it was tough, but I'm really glad that I did it. I shortly after began working at um, a children's hospital in Rhode Island um, in their pain and palliative care team um, as a massage therapist. When I put together cancer patients and massage therapy, I never thought that they went together. And I know that you work with individuals that have children that are coping with different things. But mm -hmm. in terms of just the cancer, how and why does massage therapy play any role in helping people with cancer? Well, I think it's interesting because there's quite a history with oncology and massage for uh, a long time. Um, it was kind of feared there, you know, before when we didn't know as much about oncology and cancer and how it grows and how it spreads and all of those kind of things. Like there was some fear that like physically touching a space that has cancer could spread the disease. And so that was a pretty common a misnomer for quite a while. I mean, this was, you know, in the 60s and 70s. And we've had a lot of research that, since then to prove against that. Um, but there are certainly some precautions. So while I did my regular uh, 
massage training that anyone else would do. I also have specific training for oncology and I also have specific training on working with kids. So pediatrics, um, and really the differences for kids, because that's a big question too. People are always like, wait a minute, kids get massage. Why do kids need massage? You know, and then you <laughs> I need massage, not yeah. my kid. <laughs> Which is also very true. And I wish there was more of that as well. <laughs> but um, with working with kids, it's really just the approach is a little bit different. You know, it's very um, permission based. So you know, I'm never going to do anything to a child. They have to allow me. They have to um, consent, you know, I ask them before I touch any part of them. Um, so there's a lot more communication and it's not as structured. Like I'm not bringing a big massage table to a three-year-old's house and, you know, doing a massage, um, on a kid on a table. Like I'm working in their space and, um, working with whatever they have going on and what their interests are. Um, I think for the oncology piece, there's just precautions. So there's things that as a regular massage therapist, you might know a little bit about, but working with someone who's in active treatment, it's really important to have the, the knowledge of uh, things like what do you do if there's an, an, open, an open wound or what do you do if someone just had treatment you know, today or last week, what are the precautions that the therapist has to take? What are the precautions that you have to take for um, the patient? And really every patient is different and every um, treat cancer treatment is different and every cancer itself responds differently. So I have to be really careful with checking notes and getting permission from doctors and seeing where the kids are before I work on them. Um, as far as specific things, that massage can help with. Um, I think a lot of what we work on, what I work on in my practice is helping for the children, helping them gain some uh, body awareness back, gain some sense of their own body back. So as we know, like when kids go into this treatment, um, often so much of their autonomy is taken away and a lot of things are done to them because they have to. Uh, but massage is a space where we kind of really focus on the opposite of that. I'm not going to do anything to you. Everything is in your control and it really helps kids get a sense of control back over their bodies. Um, and when I was working at the hospital, it can really help as a distractive technique as well, like during some procedures and things like that. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of like technical, scientifically proven things that massage helps with, like circulation and reducing stress. And we can help a lot with headaches and digestive issues. So there is those, those goal-oriented um, techniques that I will do. But Again, it has to come from a safe space for the child, first and foremost. Absolutely. And when you worked with my son, um, I remember he had issues with his lymph nodes. They weren't cycling in and out the liquid. Mm -hmm. So in a case like that, I mean, I know what you do, but what do you do in a case like that where there's the the circulation issues. 
Yeah. So there's specific like lymphatic draining techniques for massage that have been proven very effective. And there's very specific protocols for that um, that can really help. Um, in general, for really anyone, the circulation piece is a big part of it. Like increasing circulation is going to help, um, you know, calm the nervous system. It's going to help move fluid. It's going to help, um, reduce anxiety, things like that. Uh, but there is, some precautions to that as well. Like if your child just had chemo, do you really want to be increasing circulation? Maybe not. It depends on, you know, where they had it administered, how long it takes to cycle through the body. So these are all things that you have to be really aware of as um, a practitioner. Like, you know, I go in and I ask the kids or the families a million questions every single time. And I'm always apologizing for it. But those are the reasons why, like, I need to know if you're on pain meds, I need to know when your last dose of chemo was, was it oral, was it IV, you know, I'm, I am moving fluid in the body. So that stuff is important to know. You are, in fact, a specialist for this field. And that's why you're under the, this is a question, the mm-hmm. <laughs> palliative care group. You're not just like, you're not just going out and doing this by yourself. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, if uh, you can find an outpatient massage therapist who will be um, knowledgeable enough and have the right connections to get the information they need. So, you know, you can ask the parents, you can, and, and any provider should have contact with the physicians as well, because things change all the time, you know, so you might get that initial uh, medical record, but as we know, it changes week to week sometimes for these kids. But I love working with an interdisciplinary team. Like I, um, did that at Hasbro in Rhode Island, in the hospital, inpatient. And then I also do that now in the community work that I do in the palliative care program. Um, it's, it's a team made up of multi, multiple disciplines and, uh, we all work very collaboratively to make sure we're all, um, doing what's best for that family. Absolutely. Well, I just want to say thank you so much. Is there any last minute thing that you would add on for advice to parents that are going through this journey with their child? I mean, I think for massage specifically, the other thing that um, we work a lot on and that I would, if, if I was giving advice to a parent, if you allow in some of these therapies, they're often for the whole family. So like, even though I might just be providing massage for the child, I'm working to involve siblings. If they're uncomfortable with the medical equipment, I'm working to involve parents to have moments with their child that are um, special and calm and comforting. Um, So I think just if you're the type of family who you know, enjoys that or is seeking that, this could be a way to have more of those types of moments. Great. And before we wrap up, I just want to ask you, is there any way that somebody could reach out to you or follow up with you? Um, Sure. I can give you my email and then I can also give you a couple other resources to find other pediatric trained um, massage therapists as well. So um, I did my training through the Little Kids Foundation, which is um, a foundation that trains uh, pediatric massage therapists. 
Uh, so if you're looking for a therapist in your area, you can check out their website. Um, they have a list of providers there who will be pediatric trained and some of them will also be oncology trained. So you can find somebody um, that might be appropriate for your family. Uh, their website, I think, is little L-I-D-D-L-E-K-I-D-Z.org, Little Kids. Um, they're a great organization. That's who I traveled with um, doing outreach as well. So, And any other links I'll definitely have up on my webpage. So please visit and just want to say thank you so much for uh, taking some time today and, and visiting us on the show. Nice to see you. Thank you for tuning in to Living with Scanxiety. Please subscribe to Rosaria's podcast to hear more informative discussions like today's and visit www.livingwithscanxiety.org for show notes, links, and more. Music is courtesy of Ryan Hamner. <laughs>